California's feared COVID-19 surge has come. In response, county health officials ordered the closure of all bars, breweries, and wineries that don't serve food. Also, the rule that food must be purchased with a drink is back, starting tomorrow. The county hit another single-day record of positive cases on Sunday, with 498 new cases. More worrisome is the jump in hospitalizations. There are 458 people in the hospital, which is about 100 more than a week ago. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Lori Weisberg, you cover tourism and hospitality for the Union-Tribune, two industries that are dealing with COVID-19 more deeply than others. Why don't you explain what is the decision-making behind the announcement that we heard yesterday? Um, Well, you pretty much uh, covered it to a degree. Um, This this alarming rise in the number of cases, the number of hospitalizations. Um, Now, those weren't big enough to trigger a statewide mandate to close. Um, The governor early this week uh, decided to tell certain counties to close because of those kinds of alarming statistics. San Diego County was not included among Governor Newsom's mandate. However, uh, the county, including Supervisor Nathan Fletcher, said, you know, why wait for it to get worse? Let's take preemptive action. Um, Let's not wait for the state to give us the order. Let's do it ourselves. So um, as they see these numbers go up, they thought it was wisest to, it was wise to do this. And, And as we know, I mean, when you, um, maybe a little unlike a restaurant, um, it's it's more a way to gather and mingle and maybe not stay socially distant the whole time and and maybe not keep your mask on the whole time except when of course when you're you know not when you're drinking you don't have to keep them on but um, so it seems more of a concern the bars so they they implemented this as I said a preemptive action and you know we don't know if the numbers will start improving in the coming weeks but for now. Um, they thought this makes sense to stem the tide of this, of these increasing cases of COVID. Yes, certainly. San Diego County is in a really kind of frightening position because you see terrifying increases in Los Angeles. Uh, the hospitals reached capacity in Riverside. Same with Imperial. Baja California is having a surge as well as Arizona. It's like we're literally surrounded by intense spikes in COVID-19 and things are going up not as dramatically as those areas, but it's entirely possible it can happen here. So it kind of makes sense that after a month of reopening and after a month of protests that those infections are increasing. I, I don't know. I, you, you mentioned like Arizona and then, of course, Imperial County is is uh, really having a a really high surge. But I know, you know, this time of year, this is the magnet for Arizona tourists to escape the heat. Um, so, you you know, do you need to be worried about, you know, we don't close our borders to, to Arizona. So do we need to worry about people from Arizona bringing the virus here? I, I know that was a question raised yesterday. And, and in today's um, story in the Union Tribune, I think they said something about 16 people from Arizona have been identified as having um, the, having COVID. So that's obviously a fraction of the cases, but it's still mm-hmm. still a concern of people coming into San Diego County of bringing the virus with them. So that's, that's always a concern. Mm-hmm. And going back to the order itself that we uh, heard about yesterday, can you explain kind of the details, like what is and what isn't currently allowed? So um, basically, if you are a bar that sells no food at all, you have to be closed down. However, there's a pretty big um, 
window for, for bars to stay open as long as they serve some kind of food. Um, I talked to one bar owner who contracted with a food truck, a taco truck, where they serve ceviche and shrimp cocktail and chips and salsa, and that qualifies as food. And you have to purchase that as, as part of your transaction, and you have to sit at a table or sit where you're, seating, where you're seated while you consume that food. So it, it keeps you from moving around the bar. So that is a big requirement. The question is, you know, if you're at a winery, you know, doing a wine tasting, is just um, buying a bag of chips enough to meet that requirement. So, so maybe there's not that many bars that close down because they have a way of serving food and being licensed to serve food, or maybe they close down temporarily, get that licensing, and then um, and then are able to stay open. I, I know I did uh, talk to yet another bar owner that doesn't serve food, and and she was weighing yesterday. Um, this is a, a a bar that actually normally is known for karaoke. They're not doing that. She was weighing whether to add food to the mix so that she doesn't have to close down and reopen, which which can be costly. Mm-hmm. And we were in a short period of time in which those restrictions were lifted because, you know, places that hadn't served food that were bars were able to open. And then for, I believe, 17 days, there was this period of time that we're now exiting in which you could just have a drink and it was fine, but there was restrictions. But during that period of time where there was reduced capacity, did businesses say that this was sustainable? So um, talking to the Carriage House, um, that was uh, the bar that you know also has karaoke, but it doesn't right now. She said that they were, that a lot of the regulars were coming back. Um, they had set up things so everybody could be socially distanced, which socially distant, which ended up being about 50% of their normal capacity. And she said they were basically getting that kind of traffic. So they were doing okay. I talked to another bar in sort of the um, North Park University Heights area, um, the Air Conditioned Lounge. He said that business has been pretty slow. He's got a large outdoor area. And even with the socially distant spacing, he still wasn't able to fill that up. He was he was happy to be open, but um, it wasn't, you know, slammed crowds like maybe some other bars would. So it's it's... It's sort of a mixed bag, but even if you, even if you are getting decent number of people, it's still you know, twenty five percent to half your normal capacity. So how long can you really survive financially on that? Mm-hmm. And why don't you explain this kind of struggle of closing and then having to reopen again? How financially ruinous is going through that? Well, um, you know, I think it varies, you know, depending on the size of your operation. Maybe if you're smaller, it's, it's not as hard. But, you know, you've already geared up. You brought back some of your employees. You went through some special training to make sure they know how to, how to deal with this. Now you have to tell them to go back home. And then, you know, do they go back on unemployment? Do they, you know, it's, it's almost, um, I don't know how financially ruinous it is, but it's, it's a very time-consuming and emotional process, you know telling people they can come back and say, oops, sorry, no, you gotta, you know, you have to go back and, and stop working for a while. Um, you don't get those chips you were expecting. So um, I think it's, you know, some of the restaurants I talked to, um, forget about bars for a second, when I talked to restaurants before the reopening of, of them were allowed, um, they were considering House to reopen because they didn't want to go through exactly this kind of thing where they open Things get bad and they have to close and then reopen again. They don't. They want. They don't want to do it twice. It's like it's almost like for especially for a restaurant to opening a whole new business again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also in this kind of 
strange phase that we're now exiting, people will go back to these places expecting it to be like the before times, but that's not true. They have to follow the rules. There has to be social distancing. There's people telling you to wear your mask when you're standing up. And for people who are used to a certain experience at a bar or restaurant they like, I imagine it's jarring the first time you go back and, you know, maybe the same person behind the counter, but that experience is just not the same. Right, right. It isn't, isn't the same. It isn't the same thing. I mean, um, restaurants increasingly have become a very social experience. Bars already were. And, you know, it's weird mingling with masks on. Of course, once you're seated at your table and you're about to drink and eat, um, you don't have to wear your mask. But it's, it's, a, it's a tough enforcement issue for the, the business owners. And we saw what happened in Escondido recently, um, a restaurant that was shut down after repeated warnings um, for employees and customers to wear masks. Um, I think they're about to reopen again, but they were shut down um, by um, sheriffs. And so there are consequences, but, you know, law enforcement can't be everywhere to enforce this. Mm -hmm. And during this time, uh, there's been a push to have more outdoor dining because more science seems to suggest that the more airflow you have, the chances of getting infected with COVID-19 go down, not entirely, but it's better than being in an enclosed space. Why don't you tell us about some of those initiatives that are ongoing and some that have already been in practice? Right. So um, the city is um, looking to ease that um, for the for these owners by um, going, uh, they're going to take an ordinance to the city council to waive the fees and, and, and really accelerate the process for getting special event permits and going out onto the sidewalk and to the street. That's already started in Little Italy um, on Saturday Saturday afternoon and evenings, and also in the gas lamp quarter from Thursday through Sunday. Um, I, from what I gather, it's going well. I mean, it was a little um, sketchy at first because not everybody was obeying the, the mask rules and the social distancing, but the tables themselves and the restaurants out into the street, they closed India in, the, in uh, Little Italy, and they closed um, Fifth Avenue in Gaslamp, a certain section of those streets. Um, so each restaurant had, you know, had its roped off area. So it was segregated from other restaurants so that you're not mingling all over the place. So, so I think that's worked out. I think they get more business. Um, there's not enough demand during the week to, to open up the streets. Um, you're seeing Encinitas, um, trying to do the same thing. I believe National City as well, closing parts of streets. Um, some restaurants are going to get permission to open up parking lots to, for dining. So it does give them uh, more breathing room and to kind of almost match the kind of number of, of customers they could have before. But obviously not all restaurants are on a closed off street and not all have this wonderful outdoor patio space. But for those that do, that that is a financial boon for those those restaurants. And it'll it'll probably we'll probably see more of that as long as the covid type restrictions are in place. Mm hmm. And it's also been difficult for business owners during this time because part of that is the failure of the federal government. Uh, the stimulus that was passed, the CARE Act, had $130 billion that was left unused. That's according to the Washington Post earlier today. How have business owners been feeling? Do they feel left out in the cold during this crisis? Well, um, most of the business owners I've talked to have gotten those that pay pet paycheck protection um, loan that been very helpful and that they don't have to pay back as long as they spend a certain amount of that money on their rent and their payroll. Mm. But it's, you know, it's getting close to running out of money. And then then they will be, I think, left out in the cold. They are concerned about that money running, running out. It's been very helpful and useful. 
Um, some don't have enough payroll to put it to use, or they can't bring back enough payroll payroll to employees to use that. So um, right now they're okay, but they're they're worried about um, that money running out, and they would have to wait for congressional action to extend that. So um, I think I think their biggest challenge is just you know the volume restrictions and all the rules that. For now, there's no way they can go back to their normal volumes. And, pe- and not everybody, you know, not all members of the public want to come back and, and dine out. They're, they're, you know, all this publicity makes them nervous, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And it seems like now things are much more dire in California. For instance, uh, Americans can no longer travel to the EU because of the way that the outbreak has been handled. And now Californians, if you go to New York, you got to quarantine for 14 days. These kind of big moves that say things are getting bad, at what point do you think this has further impacts on local businesses? Because, you know, it's terrifying news. This may get people who maybe were dining and drinking over the past month not to do so. Are business owners worried? Well, I think your tourism industry is quite worried. Um, Hotel occupancies have gone up a bit since, you know, they were allowed to reopen to leisure travelers. But um, there's no real business travel right now. There's no conventions and large meetings allowed. Um, Your big downtown hotels that thrive on that sort of um, traffic, many of them are staying closed. And then, then of course, the associated restaurants, the restaurants in the gas lamp have told me that depend on that convention trade. They're, you know, they're really dead during the week. So um, that is a real big impact you're going to see. Um, we we used to have some European travel here via some nonstop flights from um, Germany and from um, the United Kingdom. But, you know, in the same way that, you know, the European Union doesn't want travelers here coming, I don't think um, they probably may not want to be traveling here because of what they're seeing about, you know, California So um, that's uh, the tourism industry is really relying right now on visitors from Arizona, Nevada, you know, all of Southern California. But that international traffic, which is nothing compared to like San Francisco and L.A., is really important. And and we're not going we're not going to have that. And and then, of course, the businesses themselves, the restaurants and the shops um, that depend on that are, are not getting that business. So that's that's a really big hit, the tourism. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, this step back, however you want to describe it, is still developing. Are there any uh, questions that you hope get answered in the coming days as to how we're going to tackle this ongoing surge? Um, well, you know, one thing one thing that has that's part of that surge is the increase in community outbreaks, where there's more than you know a few people in a particular location. Um, that are getting sickened. Um, more recently, it's been in restaurants. It's been in, you know, how you know social gatherings in homes. They've warned against backyard barbecues. So they keep warning against, you know, socializing in the home and even outside the home, even in, in, in backyard gatherings. So mm-hmm. I know members of the press, um, including myself, have pushed the county to tell us where these community outbreaks are. They so far haven't released that information. We're looking forward to them being a little more transparent so that I think that would be very useful to the public to, to know where these outbreaks are happening, um, where specifically the county has been loath to release that. So um, I think you'll see more pressure on the county to be more public about those, those outbreaks, which are a big concern because that's another 
uh, concerning metric that we've had is where you have seven community outbreak locations over a period of seven days. That that hasn't that hasn't stopped, unfortunately. Mm. Certainly, a lot of unanswered questions. Lori Weisberg, thank you so much. Thank you. In other news, starting Wednesday night, restaurants across San Diego County must close no later than 10 p.m., according to a new public health order announced by the county health department Tuesday afternoon. The decision effectively extinguishes local nightlife as the 4th of July weekend arrives. The 10 p.m. restaurant curfew applies to all eateries, regardless of whether or not they serve alcohol. Takeout will still be allowed after 10. County officials said that decision was made partly because of rising caseloads in the geographical area surrounding the county, as well as the coming holiday. Also, an update for Monday's podcast. The 25-year-old man who was shot by San Diego police last Saturday has died. Leonardo Jutaro Ibarra died late Monday evening. Two days later, two officers had spotted Ibarra walking along 6th Avenue near A Street, recognized him as a robbery suspect, and then tried to stop him. Videos shows Ibarra pulling something from his waistband, police said it was a gun, as officers approached. They opened fire, striking him. The department also identified the officers who shot Ibarra. They are Jonathan Lucas and Tever Zaki. Both officers are assigned to the department's central division, and both have been with the department for about four years. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. As developments are coming in the world of baseball, our San Diego Padres podcast, Hot Lava, is back. Kevin A.C. and Jay Posner discuss the start of the MLB season, the Padres roster, and the challenges ahead for everyone in baseball. Look for it wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live through this momentous time in history, the truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.